Hi, I'm Ed Garrity, and I want to talk to everyone today about something that's frequently not discussed in the mental health field. And the term is called spiritual emergency. So what is a spiritual emergency? Spiritual emergencies are crises during a process of growth and change when it becomes very chaotic and overwhelming. In such episodes, individuals often suddenly and dramatically enter into new realms of, quote, mystical and spiritual experience. However, they may also become fearful and confused and have difficulty coping with their daily lives, jobs, and relationships. The term spiritual emergency was first used by a psychiatrist, Stanislav Graf, who was the founder of the Spiritual Emergency Network in 1978. He was also the founding president of the International Transpersonal Association. And he states, there exists spontaneous, non-ordinary states of consciousness, NOSCs, that would in the West be seen and treated as psychosis and treated mostly by suppressive medications. But if we use the observations from the study of non-ordinary states and also from various spiritual traditions around the world, they should really be treated as crises of transformation or crises of spiritual opening, something that really should be supported rather than suppressed. If properly understood and properly supported, they are actually conducive to healing and transformation. Stanislav Graf and his wife Christina have worked in this field for many, many decades. And they describe individuals experiencing such episodes may feel that their sense of identity is breaking down and the very ground beneath their personal realities is radically shifting. They may even fear for their own sanity. So, a definition of spiritual emergency is the self becomes disorganized and overwhelmed by an infusion of energies or new realms of experience which is not yet able to be integrated. Many people in their lives have these kind of experiences but are usually afraid to talk about them to their families and friends, or particularly to a mental health uh, clinician, because they believe the part that they're going to be judged or considered, quote, crazy, um, all of those types of things. But let's talk now more realistically about the types of spiritual emergencies. Frequently this occurs during loss or questioning or changes of spiritual values 
And we use the word spiritual with a small s. We're not talking about religion. But just that sense of something greater than ourselves, whatever that would be. So the first would be a mystical or unitive experience. A transient, extraordinary experience marked by feelings of being in unity, harmonious relationship to the larger experience, and everything else in existence, as well as euphoric feelings, loss of ego functioning, alterations in time and space perception, and the sense of lacking control over the events that is happening. Psychic openings. A state in which individuals experience a large number of occurrences that he or she considers paranormal. These might include clairvoyance, visions of past, future, or remote events, out-of-body experiences, telepathy, or even poltergeist phenomena. Synchronistic real-time events are often a feature of this type of crisis. Charles Tart, Ph.D., has described how people can become quite fearful upon the awakening of these deep intuitive powers. A third is possession states. There are many cultures where the deliberate induction of possession states is part of a valued religious experience. This includes Haitian voodoo ceremonies where specific deities are invited to ride the bodies of the worshippers during specific ceremonies, as well as the dancers of Bali who become the entity they are portraying in ritual drama. In our country, there exist religious groups who consider it desirable to be possessed by the Holy Spirit, with physical manifestations that include shaking and speaking in tongues or foreign languages. And concluding oftentimes in a possession trance, is an ability that is part of the human potential. The Groffs point out that a possession state can underlie serious psychopathology, such as suicidal depression, aggression, antisocial behavior, or craving for excessive doses of alcohol and drugs. They suggest there might be some relationship to multiple personalities as well. It can be choking, projectile vomiting, or frantic motor behaviors with temporary loss of control. Another experience that is more frequently identified nowadays is called the Kundalini experience. This is a complex physio-psychospiritual transformative process described in the yogic traditions. Kundalini energy is presumed to reside at the base of the spine. When aroused, usually through deep yogic experiences, it can rise above the chakras, the psychic centers situated along the spine, from the tailbone to the top of the head, creating physical symptoms ranging from sensations of heat and tremor 
to involuntary laughing or crying, talking in tongues, nausea, diarrhea, constipation, rigidity or limpness, and animal-like movements and sound. Kundalini awakening can resemble many disorders, medical as well as psychiatric. The physical nature of the symptoms can mimic conversion disorders, epilepsy, lower back problems, multiple sclerosis, heart attack, or pelvic inflammatory syndrome. The emotional reaction to the awakening of Kundalini can be confused with the disorders involving anxiety, depression, aggression, and organic syndromes. A variety of spiritual practices, including meditation and hatha yoga, can bring this phenomena to light. Unlike those suffering some psychosis, individuals experienced kundalini are typically much more objective about their condition. Another spiritual crisis can be the shamanic crisis. The word shaman has come to refer to healers in many traditional cultures around the globe who use consciousness-altering techniques in their healing work. Shamanism is a broad term which loosely covers many ancient healing traditions among tribal peoples. But the many similarities of form and function which justify this general label are very similar. The future shaman sometimes take the, takes the risk of being mistaken for a madman, but his or her madness fulfills a mystic function. It reveals certain aspects of reality to him that are inaccessible to other individuals, and it is only after having experienced and entered into these hidden dimensions of reality that the, quote, madman becomes a shaman. Shamanism has historically been confused with schizophrenia because shamans often speak of experiences in the spiritual world as if they were, quote, real experiences. The attribution of a connection between mental illness and shamanism has contributed to the marginalization of shamanism. Shamans are often called to the profession by a crisis called a shamanic illness. But as one accepts the calling and becomes a shaman, the illness usually disappears. Traditional cultures distinguish between serious mental illness and the spiritual problems experienced by some shamans-to-be. Another relatively frequent spiritual crisis, and reported by many more people nowadays, is alien abduction, as strange as that may be to many people. John Mack, MD, a Harvard psychiatrist, says, Often the person has not, not actually seen a spacecraft, but often they have. A number of these cases, when they're floated through the wall of their home, through the window, through the door, again, so many of the details of the experiences make no sense in our uh, Newtonian Western culture. 
And yet the stories are consistently described with, again, the self-critical attitude that the people have. And they may be seen as typical unidentified flying objects, a saucer-shaped or cigar-shaped vehicle on the ground of their home, emanating bright lights, or they may be taken by a small craft up into the sky to a kind of mothership, which they see very clearly. So many of the individuals actually see the UFOs, and the insides are so uniformly described as rounded, curved walls with complicated instrument panels. And it becomes clear that this is some kind of craft in the sky, which they would naturally call a spacecraft. So, whether or not these experiences are, quote, real or not, individuals have them. You may have to distinguish what may be the personal journey of the individual. First traumatic, then they acknowledge the experience, and then they grow and they experience a wider sense of identity and reality because they see that we're not alone and they see there are other beings, other entities, intelligence, whatever you want to call it, that exist, and they have a relationship with, which may be very profound, even a spiritual connection. Another relatively frequent experience, spiritual crisis, that more people are now comfortable talking about are called NDEs, or near-death experiences. They have been the focus of considerable scientific research over the past two decades. Findings indicate that NDEs is a, are clearly identifiable psychosocial phenomena of clinical significance that is not attributable to a mental disorder. It is defined as a profound subjective event experienced by persons who come close to death or who are believed dead and unexpectedly recover as a result of some serious injury or illness or who confront a potentially fatal situation and escape uninjured. NDEs include a characteristic temporal experience of peace and contentment, detachment from the physical body, entering a transitional region of darkness, seeing a brilliant light, and passing through the light into another realm of, realm of existence, as well as a cluster of subjective components, strong personal feelings, dissociation from the physical body, and transcendental or mystical elements. Ken Wilbur, Ph.D., a pioneer in this field, maintains that the psychotic level, physiological or pharmacological interventions, is the appropriate treatment frequently. However, he agrees that further up the evolutionary pathway of consciousness, psychic pathology can resemble psychosis. At this point of development, he recommends union therapy, 
involving some structure building. Again, Stanislav Groth contends that the clinical realities are not so pure and clear-cut. He recommends a basic trusting relationship with a therapist and client as a foundation for mediating a new understanding of the process the client is undergoing. The therapist needs to convey respect for the healing and transformative nature of the crisis and support the process. Then its positive potential can be realized. There are many forms of spiritual emergency involving various degrees of intensity. The extent of assistance required depends upon the situation. In some instances, treatment can be limited to specific support for the person in crisis. At other times, it can be extended to involve relatives and friends and support people. However, if the process is especially dramatic, professional help might be necessary. The most important task is to give the person in crisis a positive context for their experience and sufficient information about the process they are going through. It is essential that they move away from the concept of disease and recognize the healing nature of the crisis. There is much more information on spiritual emergencies now than there were 5, 10, 15 years ago, and quite a bit of research on this whole concept of spiritual emergency. If you feel like you have or are experiencing a spiritual emergency, or you know someone else who has, you might want to really investigate this more fully. And rather than see it as something to hide or be ashamed of or be scared of, to see it as a transformative process. You're always welcome to give me a call if you'd like to explore this further. Uh, my information is on my website, insightintegrative.com. Thank you.